Hello and welcome to Ascent's podcast, Exploring Standards. My name is Jess and in this podcast, I will be talking to the experts in the consultancy industry. At Ascent, we pride ourselves on championing international standards. And in each episode of this podcast, I will be talking to expert consultants discussing standards, ISOs, consultancy and everything in between to bring you industry knowledge and updates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Exploring Standards. I am your host, Jess, and today my guest, uh, I'm very excited to have him on, Um, is the connector of everything mental health and neurodiversity. Um, He's a wellbeing consultant and he's the founder of Simpler Mental Health, and he's Matt Holman. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, today I'm doing good. The sun's shining and I've been out and did some activities today. So, yep, I'm doing good, thank you. Today's a good day. That's always good to hear, especially with our topic today is uh, mental health in the workplace. Uh, but before we dive right into that, can you just tell us, our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, sort of what you do? Yeah, of course. Well, this is a world that I never expected to turn up in, um, in all honesty. And, and, you know, one of the things that I am now is is absolutely open and transparent and, you know, hopefully authentic and genuine in what I do. But but mental health is a passion and it's a passion for many different reasons, um, you know, supporting mental health, growing the conversations, you know, connecting all of these elements together. Uh, but, you know, if you look at my career, just very briefly, I was in a corporate role for many years, a few different companies. And it all sort of came crashing down on a Friday afternoon in January of 2016 when I found myself being fired from my job. And when I sort of reflect back on what was going on and what happened at the time, there's a lot of my own personal responsibility for what was going on, but also the business and the companies that I was working for at the time never really sort of supported me so well. So it's so a lot of that learning journey that I went through, albeit I didn't realize it was a learning journey at the time. Reflection's a wonderful thing and, you know, mm. looking backwards, but it created this sort of higher level of awareness around mental health and workplace mental health in particular, which then sort of almost sort of kindled a fire inside me and and started something going, look, we've got to change this. The conversation of mental health in 2016 is was in a totally different place to where it is now today in 2023. Um, but it was something that needed opening. We needed to talk about these things, you know, and, and I found myself as a middle-aged male at the time, unemployed. And as I saw myself, unemployable. I felt broken and a failure and all those horrible things that were associated. So my own personal journey with mental health began really right in front of me with something called post-traumatic stress. So I struggle with that. Um, and I still have anxiety uh, based around sort of number of different things that, that happen around my world. But you know what? They drive me. My anxiety mm-hmm. I use now for good. And, and I use my conversations to help, you know, give people almost openness and permission to, to talk. So, yeah, so I grew a business. Simpler was born out of my trauma, I guess, is probably the best way to describe it. But with this purpose of helping others, you know, we we have one KPI in, in Simpler with my colleagues and the team that we work with. We help more people. You know, if we're helping more people, we're doing the job that we were out to do, you know, and, and it's not about the financial gain and all the other pieces that businesses look at, you know, as primarily drivers. Um, but it's more about helping. So, so that's been my driver for seven and a half years now. And personally, outside of that workspace, I also support family members who are struggling with mental health challenges. And also neurodiversity came into frame for us just a few years back now, um, with my eldest daughter being diagnosed with autism um, at 17 years old. So that was quite a late uh, diagnosis, mm. of course. She'd been through a whole life for, up until that point. And our, our second daughter, who's 15, she's just been re- recently this year diagnosed with ADHD. So so we're, we're checking many boxes, Jess, you know, we, yeah. 
and and within the team community of simpler what i love is that every single person's got their own experiences and their own yeah. reasons for being passionate about this topic and trying to help so that's what we're here for i love that i think i think you do if you peel back everybody kind of has a bit of something that they can kind of yeah. resonate to in terms of mental health um and it's just being a bit more compassionate and i love that you said your kpi was just helping people i think that is that is brilliant that's fantastic right. uh, we're gonna dive a bit deeper now um and we're gonna look a bit at what the current laws uk sorry laws and legislations around mental health in the workplace yep okay no of course and you know one of the things we do with clients today is we sort of we we provide uh, you mentioned a bit of consulting work around sort of what we do and how we do it. Now, of course, from an HR perspective, from a legal standpoint, there are a number of things that companies have to comply to anyway. There is no exclusion mm -hmm. from that. You can't just say, oh, we don't deal with that or we won't work with that. There are things that are changing. There are standards. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about the standards in this as well. But in terms of sort of legislation, we've got the HSE, the Health and Safety at Work Act. Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest one that we hang most of this off of. And when you look at the standards, that's pretty much where, you know, the standards are connecting to. I I think one of the things that we've started to recognize more around the health and safety at work act or health and safety at work as a concept anyway is this reality that we invest a lot in safety you know in in sort of the the reality of you know thinking about uh safety in the workplace uh you know wires cables you know physical safety physical safety yeah but yeah. but in the sense of protecting or protection but the investment in psychological safety has not really been happening you know, yeah. and, and, and that's where there's a sort of a, a movement towards when well, we need to change these standards. We need to have physical and psychological safety. You know, if you talk to us about mental health first aid as a program, which is a lot, what a lot of companies have invested in, mental health first aid is very much about the first aid for the mind. The physical is covered by first aid, you know, in a different form. Yeah. But this is where it's at. So we've got the Health and Safety Act. Um, management, you know, we've got management systems for health and safety in the workplace that we can comply to. Protection from harassment, equality acts, and the Mental Health Act, of course, is applied um, by mental health professionals to help support people who are showing some some serious challenges, vulnerabilities. Um, and within that, of course, there sits things like reasonable adjustments and making mm -hmm. sure that you're providing, you know, employment for people um, who are, are maybe struggling. So there's a number of different acts out there. HR departments obviously are almost the custodians of most of this to make sure that yeah. they're compliant. Obviously, if you've got a quality management team or if you've got people that are responsible, they'll be compliant, you know, to, to the acts too. But but it's about protection. I think one of the things we struggle with in this world and this space, especially in corporate, is as an employee, we often see these acts as not being for us. We mm -hmm. often see them as being for the company. And I've seen yeah. that a lot in my world when I was struggling was it's almost like the company protects themselves from the employee, which is the most horrendous thought. So actually, the acts exist primarily to help the person who might struggle. So yeah. we need to change some of that sort of perspective, I think, and focus on it. I like that. That's, that's uh, really good. You know, flipping the perspective, you know, you were saying earlier that mental health has changed so much over the years. And I think this is a real sort of key thing that you talk about here now. It's changing everyone's perspective. Yeah. Um, now, well-being in the workplace, uh, I feel like it can be quite a loaded term. And how would we measure that? How would we measure people's well-being? You know what? We've already got measurements where we can start to sort of, you know, understand a little bit about the culture of the workplace. You know, so, mm -hmm. so thinking about me measuring well-being, it's not as simple as going, right, everybody gets access to a gym. Let's measure fitness based on gym, you know, usage. 
but what we can do is we can look at some of the measurements that are already there things like absenteeism you know so that's a big one isn't it so but the reality we've got of course is absenteeism isn't accurate in the way that we would want it to be so it's not always easy unless you've created that safety for the individual to be honest about why they're sick so 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 how do you how do you set a baseline when you don't really know the truth so what is the truth you know the truth is out there but we just don't know it yet so yeah. It's about those statistics will help us to understand where sickness sits right now. Mm -hmm. Of course, we need to measure that over a period of time. So it's not a quick, here's a solution. It'll fix everything from day one. It's mm -hmm. more about evolving towards well-being as a part of the packaging of, of your employment. And then we can look at things like, um, you know, staff turnover. That's a really interesting one, actually. And yeah. one thing that we don't always wrap our arms around so much is, is why people are leaving now. We want honesty at exit as much as we want, you know, but we don't want people to leave. You mm -hmm. know, I, I'm of the opinion, you know, and, and I've always felt this way. Everybody has a role within the company, but sometimes the role that they start with isn't their role, you know, and it's it's the reality that we sometimes struggle with. So so well-being attached to attrition of staff, you know, turnover of staff, retention of staff is a really important one because people tend to stay around when they feel happy. Mm -hmm. um so so those things all attach themselves to current things that we can see now of course as we start to roll out the or unveil the truth around mental health and physical health in a better way we're going to start to see changes to those numbers so we might start to see the illnesses change you know in the balance so we might see less physical illnesses but more mental illnesses which isn't something to be scared of because it's the reality of the right now rather than the mm -hmm. you know it's all going to get worse as we start talking about it it doesn't so those are important factors, but the well-being element, it's difficult because it's subjective to every individual. You know, we had a conversation before we recorded this about what we've been up to and things that we enjoy. And yeah, and that's a personal journey. Mm -hmm. And that's half the battle with well-being is you can't just put a one brush over everything and go, it'll fix everybody's problems. You'll all be smiling and happy because I give you this app called Calm or Headspace, or you'll all be happy because you're all going to go for a run tomorrow morning at seven. Yeah, not, I can tell you now I've used that and no, not many people are happy about the thought of going to run <laughs> no. at seven in the morning. So, so it's hard. It's not easy. I guess that's the long way around to answer the question of it's not easy to measure yet because we don't have all of the, the points yeah. in place for every individual. Do you feel like I think for me getting to know well, uh, you know, measuring well-being is get, actually getting to know your people a bit better. Mm. What What's well-being for them? I think that's sometimes... Yeah companies are trying to, as you said like paint with one brush like oh we're just good this is all gonna be great it's like well actually what does yeah. what do your people need and i think you Let's have to listen to them you need to mm -hmm. listen to them right and that and it's that point of you need to understand what they would like to be doing if they had the time because un unfortunately one of the biggest mm. challenges that most people face is i'd love to be going for a run or going to the gym or meeting up with friends i just don't have time yeah. And it's and it's so difficult to sort of revalidate because, you know, I can talk to companies and people and say, look, these are the things you need to do to keep healthy and well. And I I genuinely get lots of pushback from that of I'd love to do it. I just don't have time to do it. How do you find me the time to do it? And it's a personal. This is where it becomes personal, personal prioritization. Yeah. You, know, you can't neglect your three year old daughter. You can't leave them on the side and go, mommy's going for a run right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, as much as it would probably be a great thing for your mental <laughs> health and space. But you can't. So, yeah but how could you make alternative things to that put her in the push chair get out for a walk at least you're going outside yeah That's, yeah you know. so, so it's adjusting isn't it and, and it is and so aspirationally i want to go for the run but mm -hmm. realistically i can only go for the walk but they're just as good as each other they're both yeah. movement, they're both being active they're both being outside so yeah lots of and i think sometimes as well people don't like think about actually taking that time for yourself 
for your cup of actually means you're probably going to work better later on as well you know in the workplace especially yeah I hear all the time like oh I haven't got time it's like just take that 15 minutes and then see what happens on your back how you're feeling yeah I can I can cite you the real examples from my own experiences and I'm sure you can see it too you sit there and you write a list in the morning and it just becomes a blur you're looking at it going, oh, my God, I don't even know where to start. And do you know what the best thing to do right there is? Walk away. Step away from the list. Step mm-hmm. away from the computer. Take the break. I've, you know, I'm very fortuitous in what I've got and what I've built. I believe that. I also know when I need to take those breaks. And mm-hmm. I recognize that as a really important part of my own mental management, mental health management. And, you know, even to the point, and this may sound bizarre to some people that, <laughs> A uh, few few weeks ago, I, I got up and I, I had moments of hyperactivity. So I already talked a little bit about neurodiversity. I don't have a condition or I don't have a diagnosis of neurodiversity, uh, um, mm-hmm. but highly likely because I've got a lot of traits of things like ADHD. And I have a daughter with ADHD, which is a hereditary condition as mm-hmm. well. But, but I had a moment of hyperactivity that morning. I got up at 5.30 and, and I just went, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to get on with it. And I did it. By 9.30, I was having my first power nap because I was exhausted Mm -hmm. and in the previous world or iteration of my world I would have carried on working because that was the expectation so now because I'm attuned to my health and what's going on I know when I need to take the break yeah I don't and I don't neglect myself so I don't say oh I'll prioritize that later when I'm you know I'll soldier on like we all do because we all push ourselves harder and harder and I won't take the break until five six o'clock later this afternoon yeah I did it at 9.30 and some people laughed because they went, really, wow, how do, you, how do you take a power nap at 9.30? And I went, I needed it. I needed it. You took it. And there's this there's, this whole culture in there in the workplace, like well, the previously was, that you just keep going. You just keep saying yes, yeah. and you just keep going, put your head down. And I feel that is changing. Uh, you know, generation coming now, like, oh, actually, is this good for my well-being? I don't think I'll do it. And it's, it's nice to see, yeah. but it is tough for a lot of people to sort of tune into themselves. Need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system? Ascent Risk Management can support you throughout any stage of your project. The expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines, including information security, cybersecurity, environmental sustainability, health and safety, quality management, and business improvement. More than just box ticking, their team works in collaboration with yours to build up bespoke management systems that return real business benefits. Find Ascent online at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. What can companies do now, though, to support their employees' mental health in the workplace? There's lots of things they can do, actually. You know, beyond standards and beyond sort of the you know, the legal regulations and everything else, if you think about the simple stuff. Now, this is one of the – let's throw out this thought early. Mm-hmm. Investing in people shouldn't be seen as a waste of money. It should be seen as a, a – you know, it's an investment. Of course it is. That's what it is. You know, there are return on investment models that we can work on around, you know, implementing solutions in the workplace to help people. But the thing we have to be very, very careful of is whatever companies do on that program or on that pathway, it cannot be a one-off event because mental health and well-being is a constant. It changes all the time. It keeps evolving. The understanding and learning and the lessons keep it changing. So everything has to be focused on the importance of 
taking care of yourself, looking after yourself and what to do in the instances where things are becoming a bit more challenged. So what can companies do? So firstly, and I always use this model within Simpler, we use a very, very straightforward. We call Simpler for a reason. We want to make life simpler, right? We use a model that is based around awareness, education and support. And what okay. that means is if you take a stepped approach into the world of well-being or mental health or neurodiversity or whichever topic you want to take, if you start with solutions first, the fix it things, the things that people can go to when they're struggling, the things that we offer as you know additional benefit, you're probably doing it the wrong way around or highly likely you're doing it the wrong way around. And one of the reasons for that is if you look at the uptake of something called an employee assistance program, you know, they help support people through therapy, talking therapies. They also help them with legal, financial and different things. Most people, if you were to go to where members of the employment, you know, of the company, still don't really know what they're there for. The only time they really know they're there is when their manager sort of panics and says, talk to the employment assistance program because they're going to help you. Now, we've educated people incorrectly because what we've done is we put the solution in and then told people about the solution. What we haven't done is brought people along on the journey towards the solution so they don't yeah. understand the points of when does it change? What do I do? Where do I go? And so what we work with with clients is that model, like I said, the awareness, education, support. If you start with awareness, what you start with basically is setting foundations for everyone. And then you could build off the foundations because awareness mm -hmm. could be today we're going to talk about mental health. Today, we're going to bring to life the reality of what mental health is. And we're going to help you to understand more about what it is, how it changes, how to take notice of things that are changing for yourself and how to continue to look after yourself better because we need to change priorities. We're leaning in as services that are really struggling to cope with the demands. How can we create an environment? And this is what we're working workplaces today to say, how could we create an environment where people feel supported, listened to and encouraged to be healthy? Because mm -hmm. if we're encouraged to be healthy and we're supported and we're listened to, we're going to reduce the need and the demand for the services. That ultimately, that's what we've got to try to achieve. Because yeah. at the moment, it isn't working. So we've got all this support or people think the support's there. So go to your doctor, see your therapist or whatever, good luck. But if we educate people early, so if we raise that awareness first, people become interested. We pique some interest. Interest. We then bring in educational models, things about listening skills, communication skills, supporting difficult conversations, resilience, you know, so we can educate people on these tools and these skills. Mm -hmm. And then naturally the support stuff becomes part of parcel of everyday employment. People yeah. will reach in when they know they need to reach in rather than asking for permission. They can yeah. reach in and they can get the help they need. They can learn more about themselves. They can take that journey, that pathway for themselves. There's some wonderful tools out there. And, and I'm surprised when I talk to people who we've trained or have been trained previously, we start talking about things like the Hub of Hope, which is a great, um, a great tool for finding support locally. Okay. But people don't know about it. Right. So, so it's still one of those that we don't know because, well, here's my favorite phrase and saying, we only ever know what we need to know when we need to know it. And right. it's so true with mental health and well-being in the workplace. So let's change that. Let's help educate people early. Let's help them to support themselves sooner. And let's give them tools to protect themselves and at least give them hope that they won't need that extra support at the end. I don't know if that helps, but it's a it's a model that we use frequently and with, you know, with big clients as as well as our, our smaller clients, too. I love that. I think it's it like you say, it It just makes so much sense. It's like, so why aren't we doing that? Like it, it doesn't make so much sense. It's like, why are we throwing something at the problem when it's here? Let's talk about it beforehand. And let's help yeah. people before it even gets to a big problem. Um, 
Like, we're not so we're, we're we're not we're not being proactive. We're, we're, yeah. This is a this is true about our country. We are brilliant. Well, I say brilliant. I shouldn't say that. I'll be careful with the word I use. We are we are excited when the crisis happens, or we jump into a crisis, but we don't try to avoid the crisis in the first instance. So so that's where we have to change. And and just as an example, I'll share with you. I hope it's okay to share. Yeah, I, was at, I was at a conference recently, and there was a slide that was shown, and it was showing about sentiment of the nation. You know, so they do a lot of polling. It was by a very you know credible uh, company that do a lot of polling of the nation. And the sentiment towards the services of the NHS was really low. Okay, so negative. And, and if you think about it, it makes sense. We get it. We see constantly the news. We hear about strikes. We hear about, you know, the, the wait times, the lists, the, the demands, the challenges, the, the lack of people in the service. It's horrendous, yeah. right? It's just this whole self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. It's just going to implode at some point because we're not actually fixing or solving or repairing or at least changing our approach to it now if you think about it there's a reason why it's broken or it's struggling and many different arguments around that. i'm not going to get into political debate on it but the challenge you've got is the demands too high and it comes yeah. back to that basic point so how do you change this positively where you say look as companies i know it's not a company's responsibility to do everything for people's mental health because what you do at home in your own time outside of the workplace that's your decision that's your choice but in workplaces, we do have a responsibility for things like burnout, because burnout yeah. is, you know, as per the World Health Organization 2019, a problem that's relating specifically to work. Yeah. You know, so burnout is relating to the workplace. So, so what about educating people earlier about the risks of burnout or the potential pathways to burnout? What about encouraging people to take more breaks? Because not only is it more productive, albeit people mm -hmm. don't believe it, it actually helps you to manage your mental health, your cortisol levels, your stress levels go down. So, so that is something that we have to change. So that slide, when I saw it, scared me because everybody was going, this is really depressing. And it is. I believe yeah. it. But how do we make it less depressing? Albeit we can't change the picture. Well, maybe the picture says, OK, well, look, let's go back to exactly as I've described the point of how can we help people? How can we help people become responsible for themselves? Because when yeah. people are struggling, we're very good at going, help me, somebody tell, fix me, solve my problem. And actually a lot of it's here. So that is such a big, yeah, I, I can't, it's just so true, isn't it? You know, people want that quick fix as well sometimes. And it's just like, actually mm. look inside yourself and see what's happening inside. Yeah. And, and then if you're given those tools and that from elsewhere that, you know, perfectly put, perfectly put. Thank you very much. Right. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for being on the podcast today. Um, I have found it very, very enjoyable. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Um, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to leave us a five-star review uh, and a rating. It really, really helps the podcast. Um, and I will be back in, with another episode in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out the show description for links for more information on all topics discussed in the episode. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave us a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard or have any questions, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to one of our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All links can also be found in the show description. This podcast was produced by Jessica Ingalls and is a Clemark Studios production.